Today we are starting a new teaching series here at Covenant entitled United. And in this series, we are going to be working our way throughout the summer through the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. We came up with this idea for the title to be United because unity is one of the central themes that Paul writes about in Ephesians. He talks about the power of the unity we have through faith in Jesus Christ with God, the creator. He talks about the unity that therefore we have as part of a family with God with other believers. That they are our brothers and sisters and we are united with them and need to be scared of any factions or divisions that we might have between us. And lastly, we are united in our connection with all of creation. The book of Ephesians, Jim Mackay, the former president of Princeton Seminary said, distills the Christian faith to its purest form. We are looking forward, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, to taking this united series seriously and look forward to what God has in store for us. So what I want to do for a few minutes is first off to kind of set the context for what this series is, how we're approaching it, and and also to understand a little bit about the Christians in Ephesus that Paul's writing to. Then we'll get into the text. First off, this series is going to work in a way that we have really tried to consider what formation looks like in this scattered time. You'll see that one of the links in the website is an online devotional. And this is going to be an amazing resource. The way it'll work is it's going to find ways each and every day of the week to get into the passage that was talked about in worship on the Sunday before. So this week you will have all kinds of interactive opportunities and it is creative and it is well done. It's going to be something that children, middle school students, high school students, and adults are all going to be able to into. Some of the activities are individual in nature that we'll do each day. Sometimes through technology, there are going to be some wondrous ways that we can actually interact in community and build community together through it. But we hope that the, this is not just a series that, that shapes our Sundays, but it actually shapes our week and shapes our lives as we go forward. We're grateful for the discipleship team putting it together. Now, this letter was written to a specific people. It was written to a group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey. It's a port city on the western coast of Turkey. And at the time that Paul wrote this, it was one of the great cities in all of the Roman Empire. The port allowed it to be a center of trade. It had a huge military outpost for Roman soldiers. It really linked the eastern and western parts of the Roman Empire. It was a major metropolitan urban area. And it had, like, for instance, a huge intellectual class. One of the images you see before you now are the ruins still there today of the Library of Celsus, which was one of the greatest and largest libraries anywhere in the known world at that time. Scholars would come to Ephesus from all around to study and read and meet in this library. The amphitheater, which was in the center of the city, sat 25,000 people, and it was engineered and constructed and crafted in such a way with such meticulous detail that still today, 2,000 years ago, a speaker can stand in the center of the platform in the ruins and with no microphone speak in a regular voice and to be heard by all who gather in the amphitheater. But without a doubt, the largest architectural, cultural, religious centerpiece in Ephesus was the Temple of Artemis. 
Temple of Artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, and according to historians, uh, it was maybe the grandest of any of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Temple of Artemis was built over 100 years. It was dedicated to the goddess Artemis. It was uh, then adopted by the Romans when they took over as a, a place of worship for the goddess Diana. The Temple of Artemis at its apex was 40 stories high and yet wider than a football field. It had over 120 stone columns to support the roof. And the Temple of Artemis and the cult of Artemis really dominated the life in Ephesus. And it was to a minority of Christians that Paul is writing. We know from Acts 19 that Paul had spent two years in Ephesus founding the church, spreading the gospel, and people were hearing about the love of God through him. We know that where he's writing this letter from is later on when he is in a different location sitting in a jail cell, and even in that suffering, he's writing back to this church that he helped plant and that he helped start to continue to encourage them in their formation. And the book of Ephesians is really divided into two halves. It's six chapters long, and the first three chapters are really uh, expounding on the grace of God and the magnificence of God's love. The second half, the chapters four, five, and six, are really about practical Christian living. What are the implications of living out this grace in our life? And so in this book, there are both theological uh, and spiritual uh, depth that is important for us to lean into, but there's also very, very practical teaching about what our daily lives should look like that apply to all of us still today. We look forward to what God's gonna teach us and show us as we go into this journey. So now let's get into these 14 verses that Marjan read for us. I want you to kind of think about these opening 14 verses, which are, which are uh, verses of amazing praise of God, expounding upon God's goodness. And I want you to think about it in sort of concentric circles, three concentric circles that start small and move out from there. If you have your Bible, we see that the first circle is found really after the greetings in verses one and two, starting in verse three, where Paul writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This verse enters into a, a kind of writing style that Paul uses that his readers would have understood. It's a form of language built upon a Jewish praise liturgy that would have been uh, given every day in the temple in Jerusalem and every day in synagogues throughout the world. People would have been familiar with this language uh, that he uses, a blessed be the God and Father. This is kind of language that is talking about how we give thanks and praise to God in the heavenly realms who blesses us as well. Now what's important about this is Paul is saying from the very beginning of the book of Ephesus, we need to know where we start at the core. And the core, this inner circle, is a, a nature of God's relationship with God's people that comes from the Old Testament. It's a covenant relationship. This relationship is central to everything Paul's gonna expound upon in the book of Ephesians. A covenant relationship is the relationship God has with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the descendants that come from that. It's a relationship that says, I am your God and you are my people. And, and my being faithful as God is not dependent on how good you are as my people. You can rebel, you can run away, you can think that I'm old-fashioned, you can think that I don't apply anymore. You can go do life on your own terms and see what that leads to. But at no point, God says to the people, of Israel, will I turn my back on you? Will I walk away from you? 
A covenant means God continues to pursue us in love and in faith. And from the beginning of Ephesians, Paul harkens back to that liturgy that praises God for this essential relationship that we have. But that leads in verse 5 to the next circle going out, the second of the concentric circles. He writes here, he says, But he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. Now he's bringing in Christ and saying that the circle is expanded beyond just the people in the Old Testament covenant relationship. That now through Jesus Christ, all who read this book have the opportunity, Jew or Gentile, to become part of this family of God. That God adopts us and wipes us clean and that nothing we do can get us expelled from the family of God because God's grace and God's love are so powerful that we are now part of an inner circle of a loving relationship with God. The, 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 the miracle of that is still something that we are trying to get our arms around in our world today. I remember hearing a story about some parents who had one child and they raised this child in the church and they raised this child, their son, to know faith and to know Jesus. But as often happens, as, this, as their son grew older and went to college, he walked away from the faith. He walked away from uh, faith of any kind and kind of was forging his own path. They prayed for him to, to have a vibrant faith that would come back alive. But after college, he graduated and got a job living far away in a different city from them. And they prayed for faith to come alive there. But he was into the world of, of, of proving himself through his actions and showing his identity and chasing things that, that, that he thought would bring him a sense of knowing himself. They were overjoyed one day after years of praying for him when he called and said that he had come to faith, that faith had come alive for them, and that the next time that they came to visit him, he wanted to go to church with them and worship so they could see this faith community where faith had come alive for him. They were overjoyed at this, and a couple months later, they took a trip to go out and see him, and they packed their clothes, and they were ready for church, and on Sunday morning, they got dressed and came down the steps, ready to go to church with their son, this answer to prayer, and as they're there, dressed as they did for church in a suit and tie and a dress, and, and their Sunday finest, they found their son downstairs in shorts and flip-flops. So what are you doing? I thought we were going to church. He said, we are. We're going to church. They said, well, you're not dressed for church. Said, no, this is at my church how we dress. And like, no, no, no. It's not about at your church how you dress. We dress as a sign of respect to God, out of respect for who God is and trying to put forward our finest. They said, this is a sign of respect. If you went and met with the president in the White House, if you met with a member of Congress, if you met with a Supreme Court justice, you would dress up out of respect for the office and the person that you were seeing. Can you dress up for God? Could, could we respect God enough to just show some effort and dress up? Her son sat there and said, you know, you're right. If I went to the White House and met with the president or member of Congress or a Supreme Court justice, I would dress up out of respect for the office unless the president, the member of Congress or the Supreme Court justice was my father or my mother and then I just run to him exactly as I am. It's not that the child was right and the parents are wrong. It's important that we show reverence and have awe of God. What was being outlined is what Paul's talking about here, that the creator of the universe is adopting us out of love and grace into his inner circle, into family, and that we are united with him and that he'll never turn away. 
The third circle then goes out from there. It starts with the Old Testament covenant. It's expanded through Jesus that we see welcomes in others as children of adopted children of God. But then in verse 10, we see that Paul takes it even further. In verse 9, he says, He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in heaven and on earth, to gather up all things in heaven and on earth. This third circle says that this love of God, that the grace of God that welcomes us all in, that started with a relationship with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and their descendants, is now going to somehow expand to gathering up all things in heaven and on earth out of love. The mystery and the vastness of that is really beyond our comprehension, but we are a part of it. It's something that Paul talks about in Philippians 2 when he says, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God in his love will sweep all of creation into relationship with him. So how do we end today? How do we, what do we take from this that we can carry with us? Well, I want us to imagine for a second what it would have been like for the readers of Ephesus to hear these words proclaimed to them. What would it have been like to gather in the shadow of the temple of Artemis, this great wonder of the ancient world meant to inspire awe and wonder and reverence and even fear. And to hear that, no, 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 the relationship with God is not based on any of those things. But at your core, who you are is a child of God, loved desired, included, welcomed in. And nothing you can do disqualifies you from being a part of this family, of this relationship. And one day, this relationship is going to expand to the point that everything you see and everything that you know, all of creation, everything in heaven and earth is going to be swept away in this love story. Imagine what that would have been like in the shadow of that temple to have heard those words and that truth proclaimed and find root in our minds and our hearts. And I'm not certain it's all that different for us to hear that news today. In a world of division, in a world of partisanship, in a world where there is fighting, in a world where there is so much anger so much of the time, in a world where we live in fear and uncertainty of diseases and pandemics and all that this means for our life and all that this means for our society, to be reminded in Paul's praise of God in these verses that at our core we are loved beyond anything we can imagine, that we are children of God united with him united with one another and that one day all of creation and all of its discord and all of its brokenness will be gathered together all things in heaven and on earth gathered together by God I'm not certain the miracle of that good news is any less powerful today than it would have been 2,000 years ago but it is trustworthy and it is true hallelujah and amen